In Health and Wellness today, we're discussing a subject that I know makes many people squirm in their chairs, but it is really important to talk about. Uh, March happens to be Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. We weren't aware of that, actually, when we set up this interview, but we did know that it was important to do some education around colonoscopies. Who should have them? When should they think of having one? How often should they be done? What do you need to know about the procedure? Um, with me on the line is Dr. Marais Duplessis, who is a specialist surgeon at Milneton Mediclinic and who's going to talk us through the process and what, the what, who, when, why, etc. but also answer any questions you might have. So if you have been told you should have one and you have been too scared to book for it because of a particular concern or if you would like to know anything about the procedure, this is your opportunity to either call in on 021-446-0567 or send your question as a WhatsApp to 072-567-1567. Uh, Dr. Murray, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you with us this afternoon. Hello, Pippa. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the obvious question of what a colonoscopy actually is. What does the test consist of and what is it looking at? So, so a colonoscopy is a procedure that is performed by specialists, either specialist surgeons or gastroenterologists. Um, and it and basically entails inserting a long tube-like instrument uh, into the rectum to examine the rectum, the colon, as well as the last portion of the small intestine called the ileum. Um, it's meant to be able to visualize the, uh, the inside of those areas and then also at the same time certain interventions can also be done uh, during, the, during the same procedure. So it's got an investigative uh, role to it as well as an interventional role to it. So while doing it, if you spot something, you're able to, to act on it and effectively treat immediately. Is that, am I understanding you correctly? In most cases, yes. Uh, if if the lesions are amenable to be able to be treated uh, during the procedure, in other words, size is specifically is specifically a limiting factor. Factor. Uh, I'm sure we will be talking polyps just now, yep. for example. Polyps can be removed during the same procedure. If bleeding, the bleeding can be addressed most of the time during the same procedure. Um, so yes. Doctor, is it a standard test that everybody should have done from a certain age or are there particular sort of preemptive um, conditions under which it would be recommended? The, 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 the answer to the question is it is actually a, a procedure that should be done or should uh, should be done on everyone. Um, uh, and the the way we think about it is, is really age is really the, the, the main and the main factor that will make us decide as to when to do it. So if, if we, the nearest guidelines say the patient over 45 should probably have a baseline or screening colonoscopy. And the purpose for that would be to look for colonic polyps, mm-hmm. which are these little growths that one can get in the colon that may become malignant or cancerous later on. And the purpose would be to remove these lesions, or diagnose them early enough and remove them before they may cause infiltrating cancer in later years. Of course, um, age is not really the only thing. We may decide to do a colonoscopy or there may be an indication for a colonoscopy at an age younger than 45. If a patient presents with certain symptoms or signs that may concern us that there may be an underlying colon or small intestinal or rectal problem. Okay, so might might be called for sooner, but otherwise you reckon 45 upwards is when you should start thinking about having them as a routine screening. Should we just talk a little yes. bit further about the, the preventative aspect here? Dr. Murray, you, uh, you've said those polyps 
are, are not in, in themselves necessarily harmful but have the potential to become malign- malignancies later on. So if somebody has a colonoscopy and you detect the presence of polyps of any mm. size, would you act immediately or is it, does it have to be a certain size or presenting with any kind of features to make you want to intervene on the spot? Certainly if they're polyps, we try and remove them and they should all be addressed. But the nature, there are different types of polyps. Some polyps have got no pre-malignant potential and some polyps do. Sometimes it's, we are able to, to, to be able to distinguish between the two types by visualizing them, but that's not always that easy. So we try and remove all the polyps as we can so that we can send them away to a histopathologist who can tell us what right. type of polyps these are. The adenomatous polyps are the ones that um, have risk of becoming cancerous, while, for example, the so-called hyperplastic polyps have got no, no risk of, uh, of ma- malignancy. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the second part of your question. You had a second part to your question. Okay, I've also lost it a little bit. I was asking yes. about sort of whether you act on the spot. So, uh, okay, so you've explained that. Now, maybe let's move on to the question that's coming from Graham, our listener, who said, I had a colonoscopy about 15 years ago and got the all clear. I'm now 71 years old. Should I be thinking of having another one? Uh, the correct answer is yes. Even if you don't have any symptoms and your baseline colonoscopy 10 years or 15 years ago is normal, we would advise a patient to have a follow-up colonoscopy again um, every 10 years to check for any new potential asymptomatic lesions. Okay, so you recommend every 10 years. Is there any yes. risk to the procedure that might, might make somebody not want to do it as, as a sort of standard or regular process? Yeah, so the colonoscopy, I'd like to say from the outset, is is a safe procedure. Uh, we do it under a conscious sedation uh, to make the patient comfortable during the procedure. But certainly there are risks, although the risks are very low. Firstly, there would be the risks risks related to the the anesthetic or the sedation itself. Even though we give an anesthetic in a very low dose and a very gentle anesthetic, there is some risk there, particularly for patients who already have medical comorbidities, older patients with medical comorbidities. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we decide to do a colonoscopy, we make sure that the patient is properly worked up beforehand. There's a discussion between the endoscopies who will do the procedure as well as the anesthetist to to make a decision about risk. For myself, when I offer a patient this procedure, I make sure that the indication is correct and that I know that doing this procedure will change the way I'm treating the patient. If I feel like doing the procedure will have no effect or consequence on the treatment of the patient, then obviously I would not offer this patient this type of procedure. But then there are also procedure-related risks, uh, and the two things would be either bleeding during the procedure. If, If the polyp is removed, there is a small chance of bleeding, which can in most times be managed endoscopically without having to do any surgery to stop the bleeding. That's the one potential risk. And then the other potential risk is what we call perforation. So there where the the polyp gets removed, the endoscopist may cause actually a hole in the colon, if we can use a layman's term, and then the patient ends up having to have an emergency operation to repair it. But the risk for a perforation in a if the procedure is done by an experienced endoscopist is only about 1% to 2%. So it's very, very low and overall the procedure is well tolerated by, uh, with, no, with no consequences or complications. 
Thank you for that. We're talking to Dr. Marais Duplessis uh, about colonoscopies. Yeah, one of our listeners writing in who was unfortunately had a family member be one of the 1% to 2% saying my 80-year-old mother had a perforation during a colonoscopy and had to undergo an emergency operation and live with a bag for several months before the procedure could be reversed. Well, I'm so thankful that it was able to be reversed and to rejoin the colon afterwards. But as you say, very traumatic when that happens. Uh, Dr. Marais, let's talk about the risk of not... Well, yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. Let's talk, though, about the other risk, the risk of not doing them, mm. of, of, of avoiding the procedure, which many people do because they don't like the concept and they're worried or scared of it. What are the risks of, of, not, of not looking and not knowing what's happening uh, in this part of the body? What, what, what potentially um, gets worse that might have been stopped in its tracks when it was still manageable? Yeah, I think it it comes it boils down to what I've mentioned already. Uh, the the colonic polyps are are mostly asymptomatic unless they become large and they bleed. They can sometimes cause symptoms and cause warning signs to make us uh, you know suspect that they are there. But in most cases, these polyps are um, asymptomatic, and if they are left, they can become uh, the number I have is about a. F- 20% chance of them becoming infiltrating cancer and the whole purpose of doing a colonoscopy is to pick up these lesions early and for them to be addressed to be removed before they can cause or um, um, become infiltrating cancer of the colon. Let's take a listen to a voice note that's come through from somebody who's had one and talks about the procedure as they experienced it. And I think let's hear that that perspective. And then, uh, Marie, you can comment on, on anything you think needs to be added to the description. Obi, let's have that voice note. Hi, Vic. Yeah. I had a colonoscope about five years ago and I did a bit of research beforehand. Uh, the worst part is the drinking of four litres of water in, I think, four hours. And this water is mixed with some um, not so great tasting um, powder to help you uh, go to the loo. Uh, that's also not a pleasant um, thing. You'll be good friends with your toilet seat and <laughs> the environment around there. Um, everyone thinks the scope itself is the worst part, but it's not. Um, I arrived at my doctor's um, rooms, uh, was slightly sedated and I saw these long, I think two meter long tubes that it put up here. Looks like some sort of uh, Marquis de Sade fantasy uh, toy. Anyway, um, it was a quick procedure. Uh, on the way out, uh, the doctor let me look at the actual uh, screen and uh, there was nothing untowards. And that's really what you want to hear. So it's a worthwhile procedure. The first part, I wouldn't want to repeat in a long time. <laughs> Thank you for that, Vic. I appreciate the forthright description. Murray, I think that was quite a, quite, a, quite a good description. Is there anything else you would like to add to that? Uh, an excellent description, and that's what uh, most patients would say, would say to me after the procedure is the preparation. Um, the, the preparation is obviously lower volume these days. We, we, we encourage the patients to drink about three to four hours, uh, three to four liters of water during the course of the day before the procedure. But it's not in four hours, it's over 24 hours. So that um, okay. makes, I'm sure, a difference. Um, some patients find that difficult because they find water unpalatable. Many people don't like drinking water. That is a fact. Uh, but the patients can also have other clear liquids the whole of the day, the, the day during the preparation. So apple juice, uh, they can even eat some, some jelly. They can have black tea, black coffee. And we encourage all those things during the preparation. 
Um, the preparation itself, yes, the patients end up having quite a bit of diarrhea during the preparation, but the ideal is obviously to, we want to clean out the colon, wash out the colon yeah. so that we can actually visualize inside the colon and see. Otherwise, smaller polyps can be missed. So the preparation yeah. part is very important, is also a very important part of the whole process, and we encourage the patients to try and follow the instructions um, as best they can. The procedure itself, yes, it's as he said, um, everyone afterwards say, you that was quite pleasant, actually, I had a good sleep. <laughs> You know, and they are, oh, doctor, are you finished already? So that's the feed, feedback we get. And um, so, yes, unfortunately, the preparation isn't that ideal. It, um, I think it is better than it was 10 or 15 years ago because the preparation is now lower volume, the actual preparation we give the patients to drink. Um, and But it is a very essential part of having a successful procedure. And we, you know, we try and support the patients and encourage and give advice. Okay, thank you for that. Let's talk about the costs and what medical aids will and won't cover in what circumstances. Firstly, Mm -hmm. roughly how expensive can it be to have one of these procedures done? And secondly, is it something that medical aids will typically cover? So most medical aids will cover it. Um, Some medical aids, I won't mention names, Mm -hmm. but some medical aids will will require the patients to have a co-payment if they have it done in hospital. So um, I, myself and uh, many other specialists um, have our, our, our own facility um, in the rooms where we actually do the procedure in our rooms um, mm-hmm. as it would have been done in theatre. So then that co-payment falls away. Um, uh, so as far as I'm aware, most medical aids will cover it. In terms of cost, that's very variable. Um, uh, the cost is dependent on how long it took to do, to do the colonoscopy, whether there were any polyps that needed to be removed, um, uh, whether there was any equipment used uh, other than just the, the, the colonoscope itself, whether there was any other equipment used to remove polyps was there any bleeding encounter that needed to be addressed with more equipment? So the price is very variable, um, but we're looking at anything between eight to twelve thousand rand for, for for a colonoscopy, of which most of the medical aid will 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 cover if it's done either in hospital or in rooms. But as I said, most many medical aids are now requiring the patients to have a, pay a co-payment if if it's done in hospital. So the movement is it is moving more towards having this procedure done as an outpatient in, 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 in the doctor's rooms. Okay, thank you. For the final question, Murray, um, let's circle back to, to, you've already mentioned, but I think important to, to re-emphasize, what are the particular symptoms one should not ignore and, and should ask and perhaps you know, raise the conversation and ask a doctor whether it's necessary to have one if you present with certain symptoms? Andrew and several others are asking what those, those sort of red flag symptoms would be. Yeah, the first group of patients are the patients who've got no symptoms but have a family history of colon cancer, particularly a first degree relative like a mother, a father, a brother or a sister. Those patients have got an increased risk mm-hmm. and they should ideally get a colonoscopy 10 years before their relative was diagnosed. So the, 40, the age 45 rule is applicable, but if you've, your mother or father was diagnosed at age 45 with colon cancer, you should probably get a baseline colonoscopy at 35. Okay. So that's the first thing. Then the, the, the second group of patients are obviously the patients now who have symptoms. And the important symptoms obviously are patients who present with new lower gastrointestinal bleeding. Patients say, when I pass, uh, when I pass stool and I go to the toilet, I've noticed blood on wiping or blood blood in the toilet. 
second group of patients would be a patient with um, new onset lower gastrointestinal symptoms. So that would be patients who say that um, they have new troublesome constipation, which they've never had before. They're having to take more and more medication to help them to, to, to go to the toilet. That associated with bleeding would be a red flag sign. Or a patient who says they've never had inter- struggled with diarrhea, but they're getting troublesome intermittent diarrhea um, that also is another another red flag sign. Um, patient may present with symptoms of anemia. So a patient may present to the general practitioner with symptoms of anemia and may be diagnosed with a new, a new what we call iron deficiency anemia. That may be the only sign of colorectal cancer. And those patients, uh, what that would mean is that obviously the patient needs to be investigated for a possible colon malignancy that may have been bleeding over a period of time that may have led to the patient getting um, an eye or developing an, an, an iron mm-hmm. deficiency anemia. Dr. Marais Duplessis, thank you so much. We have to wrap there, but we've really appreciated your input this afternoon. And I just want to finish by leaving listeners with your website address because there is additional information there if you'd like to read up more about the procedure and what it entails, uh, as well as recap the reasons the doctors explained so clearly as to who should consider having one. Drduplessis.com.